Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to Dude Check This Out, a music podcast. Check out Hambone Relay's new album, Say Hi to Earl. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and just about everywhere else. You can get more info or buy the record at our website, www.hambonerelay.com. Dude Check This Out is sponsored by Bald Birds Brewing Company in Audubon, Pennsylvania. Fucking in a UFO by Rob Zombie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Whatever, man. (laughs) Solid repertoire. I'm I'm very eclectic, guys. Welcome to Dude Check This Out, a music podcast hosted by Hambone Relay. Speaking of Hambone Relay, my name is Rob Tate. I am the drummer and uh, percussionist, I guess, both, yeah, whatever, both for Hambone Relay. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and I'm loud, and that's pretty much it. And on the key and the, on the computer and the keyboards over there is Mr. Mark Brown. Hey. He's done his one word for the show. He's all done, but uh, he'll look up <laughs> little things we need to hear as the show goes on. Uh, quick footnote. There are too many genres of music. We love talking about all sorts of music, metal, rap, hip-hop, kind of the same thing, hardcore, polka. jam bands. Polka. Polka. Yeah, we got a German guy over there. Yeah, we could talk about polka today if the, if you, if the, the spirit hits you. Maybe. We'll see. Mari- okay. Mariachi bands. Mariachi bands. Little unknown fact, Jordan August is a mariachi <laughs> band enthusiast. Real quick, our guest today is Mr. Jordan August himself. What's up, dude? How are you? I'm cool, man. I'm in Jersey right now. Yeah, I can't tell if you're happy about it or just putting on a bitter smile. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so funny. Like uh, I travel to New York and I live in Philadelphia, and I somehow never find myself in Jersey unless I'm on a train traveling through it. So it's nice to just be stationary. Yeah, I just... jumped in an Uber and I was like, "We're going to Jersey." Oh, you did the Uber thing? I did the Uber. Mm-hmm. I looked at the train thing, and I was like, it's going to take you 54 minutes. And I was like, you know what? Nope. No thanks. <laughs> um, for those who have seen the uh, the podcast before, we have a, a dear friend of ours outside called the River Line. That's the train. And uh, every, every now and again, during an episode, it'll just go by. And just like... <laughs> I heard it. I was, uh, I was like, getting out of the Uber out front. And I was like, oh, that's... I was going to get out right down there. That's cool. It's like raining. I don't want to do that. Yeah. No. Okay. As, as it was, I was, I, I was driving here. I was like, oh, man, that's... Probably terrible. I feel I feel so bad. You, that you highly that. reckon you were like, dude, I did. I was like, this is all you. <laughs> and no, I, I'm a train enthusiast. I love it. 30th Street Station is like my other home yeah. from like commuting to Philly for the last three years for work. Um, but regional rail is cool. But I was not. I wasn't doing. Paco and New Jersey Transit. I just, you know what? You're better not, better next off not time. doing it. Yeah. Next time. <laughs> hey, real quick though, time. Jordan August, man, <laughs> is is an amazing songwriter and a f- ridiculous photographer and a ridiculously cool dude. He just put out two new singles with his band. I did. And I listened to Alarms, which is one of the singles, like four or five times today. I love the story. I love. Oh yeah, thank I you. I love the story because I was like not expecting it. I listened through it once, like okay, and then I went kind of through the lyrics, and I was like, oh, oh shit! <laughs> it's like 
It's like a picks him up and they do like a Bonnie and Clyde. It's a thing. Bonnie and Clyde thing. Yeah. What's the inspiration? Like, were you watching the movie or was no, it? Just- so this is it's actually it. This is one of the more interesting stories of like any song I've really wrote. It has nothing to do with me. I don't have a Bonnie and Clyde scenario in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dating a girl and we were sitting at her house like after a show. It's like three in the morning. My guitar is sitting there and we had friends from out of town in they were from upstate new york somewhere like wherever spack is saratoga springs or mm. from like that area and this guy's like i'm a songwriter too it was like great and i handed my guitar and he plays a song horrible singer <laughs> okay. horrible guitar player but his lyrics were like super captivating i was like this is great i was like let's write a song and like is this like a PG podcast? Are, no, you we, are we going out there? All right. Fuck off. So like we're super high on cocaine. <laughs> like We are like, you know, we're it's, you know, it's really late at night. It's after a show. We're up. We're having a good time. And like we decided to write this song and he came up with a bunch of these lyrics and just like wrote them like really sloppily on a piece of paper. And I look at him. I was like, oh, my God, like these are great. I was like, let's let's put some music to it. And I pick up the guitar and it was like a country ballad mm-hmm. at first, you know, in G shocker. And so Wait, what's the blues brothers thing. Easy, good country key. You remember the movie G is the people's key. G, G is the yeah. G is key. the people's key. If you play bluegrass, everything's in G. And if not, if it's an A, you just put a capo on, you play. A, it looks like, yeah, <laughs> it looks I'm like, a, it looks I'm like a huge G Eagles fan. They're the same case. So he like wrote these lyrics and we like wrote a song but it was like a ballad and I sort of just shelved it for a while and I brought it back out and I had this opportunity to open up for the band cabinet, Pennsylvania band mm-hmm. and at the nine thirty club. <clears throat> and I was like solo opening the nine thirty club. So I'm like on this giant stage in this prestigious venue that I've never played at before. And I'm like by myself and, and you're walk- opening up for cabinet, I'm opening up for cabinet solo. Dude, and I, and I, I walked out on stage and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I, you know, like I had my, my list of songs, like my stuff that I was always playing. I'm like, oh, I'm in DC. No, it doesn't matter. I can repeat this. I just played last week. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, I'm going to play this new song, Alarms, that I just sort of like reinvented this new style to it. And I like, I had the lyrics like taped to the mic stand and everything. I still like, I had rewrote some stuff and like switched some words and all this. And my friend was there, Phil Chorney, Charm City Bluegrass, mm. I guess the manager of Jordan August Band, and he like took a video of it, and I get into the middle of the song, and I sort of like spaced and didn't know what to do, and so I just went into a jam and came out of it with like this little riff, this sort of like pentatonic walk down, and started singing this next verse that was not a verse, and I like made it all up, like improvised all the lyrics on the spot, and it was like the best version of the song that it existed at the moment. Mm. So I took this video, I showed it to my producer, Andrew Dugan from Baltimore sound factory studios. And he was like, dude, this is the next single. And he's like, we're done with the acoustic album. He's like, the band is the new thing. Let's do it. And I was like, cool. So we bring the band in, we record all the music and we're doing the vocals separate. We recorded all the music live, like all in one room, just mm-hmm. like this. But I'm going to sing, you know, everything separate. And so I come two days later to sing the the lyrics and he pulls them up on the screen, this big screen. And he's like, we're going to change all of them. 
<laughs> Wait, he says this too? Like, no, no, yeah. No, yeah. No, 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 like, yeah, no, yeah. He was just like, we're going to change all of them. I was like, but hold on. There's a story. He's like, no, we're not changing the story. <clears throat> we're just changing some of the lyrics. And I was like, okay. So it went from like, okay, I met this dude. We got super high together. We wrote this song. The song was a ballad. It turned into kind of a roots rock Chris Jacobs-esque thing. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. It does have that Chris <clears throat> Jacobs thing. You love... I love Chris Jacobs I was going to so say the, the grooves... <laughs> well, no, I was going to... I know you do. Don't uh, we if you all? don't know, Jordan don't Holmes uh, is a huge Bridge fan, and uh, Mark Brown, who is our uh, organist, was in I the I wouldn't bridge. be here if it wasn't for the Bridge and, and meeting Mark Brown, literally. Yeah, dude. Bros. <laughs> Bros. <laughs> Drink your beer. Um, <laughs> but, but what I was going to say was I, I find that um, you it, it, th- that song could almost be linked directly to Chris's, uh, not the latest album, the one before that, like that four on the floor thing and yeah, really like rock and absolutely. that mid-tempo thing. I mean, like I've been, before I knew the Bridge Guys, I was like uh, 18, 19 year old, had dreadlocks to my waist, mm-hmm. like. I was a fan. Like I got taken to a show and a bridge show Thanksgiving Eve, 2005. Uh, I'd never heard of the band. My friend was like, I have an extra ticket. Come to this show. It was the night before my birthday. Mm-hmm. Like my, my birthday floats around that week of Thanksgiving. And they're like, Hey, it's your birthday. I got this ticket. Come to the show. We ate mushrooms in the parking lot. And I come in it, this crazy line trying to get in and we like missed the beginning of the show. But like, I walked into Ballad of Clear Rock, this bridge song. It's just like Chris Jacobs, Kenny Liner, beatbox and guitar. And I was like, oh my God, this is and amazing. You're tripping and, and I'm tripping. Like- I was like, this is like, what is this sound? What is this thing <laughs> going on? And like from that moment, like that next year, I'd probably seen, you know, I went to 50 bridge shows up and down the East Coast and in the Midwest. Oh, As you a fan, like I was like following them. They were my Grateful Dead. Oh wow! You know, I didn't get you know. You I'm went not on tour, like, bro. Tour, bro. Dude, I like I was on bridge tour for a while, and was like, did they just, remember you too? No, because I was like partying. I didn't meet any of them. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't meet any of them. Like I was just like there to party and like see this band. And then I was actually living in Philadelphia um, from 2007 to 2010. Right. I went to college here. And well, not here, but well, in Philly, over just over the river. Man, you really there. don't want to be in New Jersey right now. Hold on, let's talk. You keep talking, well, not here. I, I would never be here. That's but, actually a very cute town. But you went to um, you went to AI. You went to art. I Institute. went to the Art Institute. What'd you go for? Photography. I mean, it shows. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had I had emailed the band, and Kenny Liner got back to me, and I was like, Hey, I want a photo pass. I want to photograph the band. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Sure. And, you know, hooks it up and I walk outside to smoke a cigarette and the band vans like parked on the street there and like the lower level, like below the Walnut Street Bridge. And Kenny like jumps out of the van. He's like, hey, Jordan. I was like, oh, my God, it's Kenny Liner. (laughs) And he's like, get in here. And like he like, you know, gets me in the van and we're all, you know, doing the things that bands do in Mm -hmm. the vans before shows. And uh, and that was sort of the start of a relationship. Which turned into shooting the residencies and making a book about the bridge, uh, like their final residency before, like, you know, the indefinite hiatus that never ha- actually happened. Um, and then, you know, Kenny running gear for me and Chris running gear for me, and you know, just like this amazing relationship of musicians from Baltimore that I was just a fan. And now, like, 
they're my buddies and they help me move pianos and move my house and I'm on a podcast with Mark Brown and you and like I met you know like you and Hambone Relay and this whole relationship that is just like filtered down that has been just such a cool like evolving it all started thing. from one email to Kenny and then and somehow that conversation. he answered it yeah <laughs> and he answered it and Dude, like Kenny still doesn't answer my email <laughs> <laughs> We got to get Kenny on the podcast because I feel like we should have like a segment which is stories with Kenny and he'll just tell fucking random ass stories about him on the road and I think it would be legendary. What if we did that? We'd had a Kenny series. Dude, the first time I met, like I actually hung out with Kenny Liner, like he had, I guess, an, a gig opportunity to open again. This is a weird circle back with cabinet. They were playing the eight by 10 and they asked Kenny to open up and he was like, well, I don't do solo shows. And he was like, Jordan, you want to play this show with me? I was like, yeah, (laughs) I get to play with a guy from the bridge. This is great. And so I go to his house. He's living like on the north end of Druid Hill Park, kind of in the hood of Baltimore, like on this, like you walk around the back and this big staircase and this like kind of weird ghetto spot. It was nice inside. It just wasn't nice outside. I believe it. And I've never actually hung out with Kenny at this point. And so now I'm coming to rehearse with Kenny and like pick (laughs) songs and like write songs and do all this thing. And he was going through this like crazy part of his life. And he like kept getting all these text messages and he was like, I need a moment. And I was like, dude, do you? I was like, I don't even know you. Just go do your thing. (laughs) And he like goes like into the bedroom. He comes out with a baseball bat and a pillow. Well, a wiffle ball bat, not a baseball bat. Sorry, a wiffle ball bat and a pillow. And he's like, this is how I get my aggression out. And he. He puts the pillow on the floor. And, and like, and like he, gets, Hold on. he gets on his hands and knees, right? And the pillow's on the floor. He's like, this is how I get my aggression out. And he just starts wailing. He's just like, bah, bah, bah. He just beats the shit out of this fucking pillow. And this is my first hangout with Kenneth Liner. And I was like, oh, my God. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> Seen on a stepbrother? And, That's you know, scary. like, so, like, he, you know, he comes out of this, like, tantrum, expressive moment. And, like, he's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, dude. I'm awkward. It, I'm super awkward. I'm like 23, mm-hmm. 24 years old. I was like, I don't even know what just happened. <laughs> you know, I think it like, just shaped the rest of my life. Just yeah, this one but scene. I've like, I, I can totally relate to what just happened. I think I'm gonna go buy a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> <laughs> like, because like after it, he was just like zen he was not mistake he was like so cool like he was totally cool everything was fine i was like dude i don't know if that works for you i think it could work for me too because i was in your shoes i think i would have sat there at least for 10 minutes being like I don't know. I think I have to go. If, if it was like one of my best friends, like even if it was like you, like yeah. if this happened, if that happened right now, I'd be like, I'm just going to go. Yeah. But for some reason, but it was you like, knew Kenny. It was, was Kenny. Yeah. And I was like, this is like this. This is an opportunity for me to like, I'm like, I grew up in a sm- like a small town. Like I was traveling and watching this band. Now I'm sitting with him in his apartment. Like this is an opportunity. I just have to take, take it. 
take it. Just embrace everything just, you're seeing. Yeah. Like, huh. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> exactly. When's the gig? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When are we what, playing? What, what would you like to play? <laughs> and, it, and it ended up being a really cool gig. And um, if anyone knows Kenny Liner, what well, you won't, but you will now, is that he likes to make everyone come sit in all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In, like, classic jam band fashion. And basically, you know, it was just the two of us, like, you know, guitar mandolin with slash him beatboxing sometimes. And we basically made all of Cabinet come out for our last five songs and be our backing band. So we became a band on stage. And oh it was God. like... No rehearsal, just live, be like... Yeah, no, like... the chords, see you yeah, later. Yeah, here we go. Let's do this. See, that's that's amazing. I love that aesthetic. We don't, we don't do that very often with, like... We have sit-ins, but we don't have just like random sit-ins too often. No, your music is complicated. Well, no, I I just don't think we're brave enough <laughs> to be hundred percent. I listen to your album, and I'm like, I could be like, oh, I know that song, and I still would say no. I would, I would say no. <laughs> A lot Maybe of people do. <laughs> <laughs> we say no often ourselves. But uh, Jordan uh, also sang on our last uh, album. Uh, we did a cover of Ray Charles's uh, "Let's Go Get Stoned," mm. which was uh, a lot of fun. Emily Drinker's also on that track, who we've had on the podcast before, which was a lot. Of fun to record and uh you couldn't come visit us but i you could still not sang. at the time i could not but no it's all good um where did you record those vocals at? i recorded it at sound factory studios with, with Andrew, your producer with there. my producer yeah like he when i was recording the first album he really like dove into trying to make me sound like me mm-hmm. um so i was like when i said to you guys i was like look i'm not gonna be able to make it up there it's gonna be such a to-do can you just send it to me and i'll do it here and like when I showed up to the studio, the mic I always use in the same space was always there. We did no tweaking. I think I sung it like four times, and you did it four different ways, just like the yeah. Mess around. yeah, yeah. And then like we picked the last one, which is like the best one. And then we gave you guys like nine versions of the outro <laughs> like just chorus over and over and over again which was and it was great and we took it <laughs> we yeah because it was like you know like if you don't like this part then use this part and mm-hmm. like I, you know i was looking at it on the computer much like someone who's recording is probably doing the same thing with you guys like you have all these options so well let me ask you this as a vocalist you, you do this differently than we probably would do you give yourself a certain amount of takes to be like this is naturally how i sound after this is going to be like detrimental to what the product is or do um, you, like here's my example i, I once played with a girl live divine she she did she gave herself three takes one of those is the take she i will not do better than that do you have a similar cool. system um I don't like to use like the first three. Okay. Um, especially like in the beginning of a session, because I like you, You're warming you up. need to get warmed up. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what like warm ups I do. It's the same thing like in a live show. Like the first couple songs just don't sound that great for me. Like in my head, I don't know if they sound like to anyone else, but um, in this case, I had bronchitis. You had bronchitis when you when I was this recording song? this. Okay. And. There was no other option. My my producer is also the production manager for the DJ Zoo, Z-H-U, and he's, like, on tour all the time. Mm-hmm. So we had, like, this day to do it. And I was, like, super sick leading up to it, and I felt really good that day. And, like, the second take, I was like, dude, I'm losing it. And he was like, well, you're not there yet. And so, oh, like, no. he's, like, <laughs> feeding me tea, and I'm, like, chugging honey and wow. I was like, I wish I could just like pound whiskey. 
and I like I can't. can't. Like I'm like yeah, I'm sober, so it's like I couldn't I couldn't do it. And then it got to a point where I was like just the right amount of gravelly, but I couldn't like catch my breath. So then we started like splitting the verses up for me just to like breathe. I I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Wrong kind yeah. Of, what you didn't beat yourself up for that, did you? Not really. Okay. No. I mean, I definitely like wasn't I wouldn't singing have. anything the next day. No, you were done for a yeah, couple days. Yeah, I was days. done. Yeah, I was done. <laughs> well, and like, and I yeah. got better, and I was like on medicine and all that stuff. But like, I've I've never had bronchitis in my life. This was your um, first time having bronchitis, and then yeah. you had to sing on top of that to get. Yeah, and like I ended up like so, so then I ended up getting tonsillitis, which is crazy because oh. I had I had my tonsils removed when I was like six or seven years old. Well, that's I, early, isn't it? I, I was, I I was like, like a 12 ki- or something. Yeah. I was a kid. I was like, I had tonsils and tubes and adenoids and all this stuff mm. done all at once. My parents like tortured me. And, <laughs> you were an experiment. Um, sure. So like when I go to the doctor, I'm like, dude, this bronchitis is like not getting better. And they're like, well, no, you have tonsillitis now. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't have tonsils. They're like, nope. There's one little piece of your tonsil just hanging out back there. Shut up. So the the doctors from when you're six or seven left one little piece just Dude, like Baltimore City Hospitals, man. <laughs> so, and it happened. This like, episode is not sponsored <laughs> by <laughs> And like and it happened it happened again, like, I don't know. Two I don't know. Shortly after that I got better and it happened again. That sucks. So it's like you know, now I'm like really trying to take care of the voice. I mean, uh do you have a regular ear, nose and throat doctor? I do. And even like when I go to a concert, like when I'm shooting a show, um, like I, I wear earplugs, f- obviously just to take care of my ears. But mm-hmm. like even if I'm like way back in the crowd, I wear earplugs so I can hear myself talk to people, mm-hmm. so that I'm not like screaming mm-hmm. at people, and it's on them to get closer or stay far away. Right, you're mixing I'm gonna yourself. Talk, it's like you want to hear what myself. I'm saying. I'm going to talk one way, right, and that's all you get. Right, it's exactly like in a live show. Like you're going to play a certain volume on stage, right, and they'll put out whatever they need to put out, especially yep. if there's like a live band on, on a stage. Exactly, for sure, and that's got to be incredibly difficult, especially when you do the photography stuff, like at the man. Yeah, like when you're trying to communicate with how many guys are you working with at the man when you're shooting. I'm uh, the bands. only photographer. You don't have a team or anything? I don't have a team. I have I have like the the marketing, you know, the social media marketer mm-hmm. that sometimes will follow me. Ideally, I say don't because I don't want to make you run. You know, like mm-hmm. I know what I need to do. Uh, this is my fourth season with the man. I know all my spots. I know where I can and can't be. And when there are strict rules that shouldn't be broken, I want to push those limits just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want like... Not my boss, but like the person that's in charge of me for the night being like, no, do not do that. Because if I just break it a little bit and I get this great shot, then no one's going to care. Everyone's happy. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm really just kind of by myself the whole time. But when you do photos, especially the live uh, photos, if you get the chance, go to Jordan August photography on facebook or uh you have a separate website jordanaugustphotography.com that's what i'm saying um but you take great live shots does it bother you to have somebody on top of you during a show are you able to get by that pretty easily i can get by it um i I started working for masses square garden and which is awesome which is great (laughs) and uh you know i did a show with them and it's very strict there and i and i remember the first time i walked into that room as a photographer, not as a fan, I've seen fish there plenty of times. I've mm-hmm. spent many of New Year's there, but as a photographer, I walked in and I, I, I realized, oh my God, I've never shot a room this big. And 
you know, I have this job that I have to accomplish, but for me to get from, you know, stage left top balcony to stage right is not just like this quick little stroll. Like that's, I don't know, 300 yards around, you know, this venue. So it's like you were sprinting from spot to spot and I have an escort with me because I'm in like the, the private box hallways to get from spot to spot Mm. so that I'm not running through people. I'm like sprinting down hallways with photographs of Jimi Hendrix from 1967 sitting in them. And like, we're running, you know, from spot to spot just to make sure that my job is completed the way they want it to be. Right. And does it, and uh, I told that person, I was like, dude, we're going to have to run. And usually are they okay with that? Yeah. I mean, that's what they're there. Does it ever get in the way? Like, especially yeah. like, like, like uh, body. We didn't have any bodies. I mean, it was a sold out show. I photographed the artist Robin, who, when I got the email, I was like, I don't want to do that. I remember her from like 1997, mm-hmm. you know, like bubblegum pop. And I was like, whatever, it's Madison Square Garden. I'm doing the show. Yeah. And then I was like, how many people are going to be there? Because in my head, I'm like, why is this person playing Madison Square Garden? Um, they're like, oh, it's sold out. Are like, you serious? I was like, what are you talking about? This is, it's this Robin. This is 1997. Mm-hmm. Robin. Same person, right? They're like, yeah, no, same person. T- 20 years later. 20 years later, I, I get my shots and my allotted time you know, from the artist to do my thing. I'm sitting side stage with my laptop, like downloading, editing photos to send to the garden for like social media, live social media. And I'm like, oh, my God, I know this song oh my God, I know this song. And like, evidently Robin's just been cranking out hits for the last five, six years. Like on the DL. Just on the DL, just like boom, 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 boom. It was like an adult rave. No way. Like I'm saying people like from 30 to 40 glitter disco, like studio 54, like really? getting it. Yeah. Like, are we talking like the whole get up, like roller Roller derby blades and yeah, stuff like, like trying just in, like the, in the aisles. It was stuff. like Coachella of New York, <laughs> <laughs> with like but people like in their adulthood with jobs and like careers. Oh, and so like, they have money to spend. So she knows what yeah, she's doing. Like real money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not yeah. like I'm not an ambassador for this. No, they're you know? they're discovering like their 401k money and just be like blah, 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 right and just and enjoying like, it. So this was like uh, January of this year and yeah. it, was, it was freezing, and so like I had this like big had a Gucci jacket on that like I couldn't wear during the show mm-hmm. you know so like I gave it to the the chick who got me this job and I was like can you put this somewhere she's like sure and she put it in this like backstage room like back behind the stage in a dressing room like next to the artist dressing room so I wasn't allowed in there but at the at the end of the show I'm like waiting for her to bring me my jacket and all these people are like walking by me and I'm like why is everyone coming down here this seems like kind of VIP area or like VVIP mm-hmm. and I'm like looking and I see this guy walking by me and I'm like, I know that person. And I'm like, Oh, I know a lot of people. I'm like, that's Mike Stipe from REM. Like the singer from REM is like head to toe in glitter, like just rocked out. Oh my God. And, and he walks by and he asks like one of the security guards about an after party and like they take him to the spot. And I was like, my friend comes out, coworker comes out and gives me my jacket. I was like, Mike Stipe just walked by. She's like, oh yeah, like all this, this is the celebrity exit. Oh, so you just watch 
all these celebrities. And I didn't by. know. You know I, and I it, didn't know. I you, wasn't even paying attention right. until I saw like you know the bald guy who's tall and thin and dressed like a fucking rock star, <laughs> you know, with like <laughs> glitter on himself. I was like, it's fucking Mike. Wait, Stipe. so when you think back, did you remember anybody else that was walking no, through the hallway? You're I was just like, like it was so just, oblivious, and I was like overwhelmed. It was my first show at MSG. Like I was just like happy to be there. Have you done a lot of MSG shows? That was this my year? first and only one so far. You know, but but you're on the list. list I'm on the list. Yeah, I'm that's there. really cool. I'm sure that paycheck's nice too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know any numbers, but that's that sounds nice. I mean, it's like guard. It's the most famous venue in the world. What would be your ultimate goal in terms of photo- photography? Like, I imagine it's Madison Square Garden, and I imagine it's a fish run. Yeah, I, I, I would love to be like. I mean, the ultimate dream is, you know. Work less, make more. Mm-hmm. Of course, always. Um, yeah. In any career, and also enjoy it at the same time. Uh, yeah, and I'm, like I'm, I'm so lucky. I get to like take pictures of bands for a living, and that's how like I pay my bills, mm-hmm. and it's great. Um, what I, do you think? What do you think the inspiration is for that? Because I know you loved festivals as a kid when you had your dreads. I saw some photos. <laughs> we'll pull one up here, <laughs> and and I saw some photos. Do you think it's that you saw so many live shows as a kid that you just loved? being present and showing other people photos of that 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 experience so i like when i was in college i, I was studying like architectural photography i mm-hmm. wanted to take pictures of buildings for a living and i and i still do but i learned very quickly after graduating that you can be 26 or you can be 66 and you will keep that same job it's not hard on yourself like mm-hmm. you're on your body your brain or anything you don't have to talk to anyone you're taking a picture of a building it doesn't move all that you do is you wait for it to look pretty and you take a picture. And it doesn't talk to you either. And it doesn't talk to you back. It's the nope. best thing ever. You don't have to work with people. You can scream at the building. And <clears> it's amazing. No one can, <laughs> yeah, no it's one amazing. Cares. And I realized quickly that I couldn't do it. So at the time, I was going to a ton of shows and it was like, you know, partying and spending a ton of money to be at the shows. And mm. I was like, I bet you. No, hold on. I need to rewind a little bit. This is also coming back to the bridge. And this is not me being a fanboy. This is just part of the story. Yes, it is. I swear to God. He's a liar. <laughs> is I was living in Philadelphia. I was still in college. Um, I had a dog. And the bridge was playing a free show at Quarry Lakes in Pikesville. Represent the tribe. <laughs> and... Um, it was, I don't know. It was like a random day of the week. I didn't have school. I didn't have work. I don't know what happened. But I like threw my dog... I placed my dog in the... <laughs> and and Peter comes after us. I threw my dog. I placed my dog yeah. in my truck, and <laughs> I jumped in, and I drove down from Philly. I met my like girlfriend at the time at Quarry Lakes, and it was my dog's like first bridge show. And it was first like concert. So I brought my camera to take a picture of the dog at the show. Uh-huh. We're up in front in the band, and I was like, well, I'm right here. I might as well take a picture or two. And I take a couple pictures. And, you know, like drive back to Philly at the end of the night and I look at the photos. I'm like, oh, these are that was fun. This was cool. And it was the first time I ever photographed a band. It was just impromptu. It was somebody asked. It was no one asked. I didn't make any money. I didn't have any intention of shooting the band, Mm -hmm. but I did. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is cool. I bet you I could do that again. And so, like, it turned into the eight by ten in Baltimore. And then I like was coming in, you know, they allowed you to bring your camera in and it was that. And then it was, oh, I can get a photo pass from this person for Ram's Head. And now I'm shooting for free and I'm building this portfolio. And I was like, wait, this is a lot of fun. It's getting me into shows for free. 
And I was Which like, that alone, you're ecstatic it's about. Fucking, it's yeah. fucking great, you know. <laughs> and I'm like a plus one too, so it's like it's like me and my girlfriend, you know. It's like me and my friend. I'm getting, mm-hmm. you know, me and someone else into the show for free. I'm taking pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm right in front of people that I never thought I'd be anywhere near. Um, and then it turned into bands seeing the work on the internet, saying, "Hey, can you come shoot the show? We'll offer you this. We'll offer you that." And it'd be like, no, nah, that's not enough. Give me more. And they would be like, no. I'd be like, okay, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And then it just like, it teetered into, you know, being a house photographer for the 8x10 for the last seven years. It's been that long? I guess so, yeah. Well, how many shows were you doing a month there then? If you I were don't there know. If in, the, in the peak of it all, before I like got into other venues, I was probably doing 15 shows or more a month wow. just at the 8x10. And I was living in the city. I was living two miles from the venue, you know, like right up the road. We also have a mutual friend. I don't know if you guys had shared duties. Uh, was Ari Lesser involved with you guys at the time? Not then. Not until recently, really. Okay. Um, Ari has become like a, a good friend of in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, in October, the band did a residency that you guys played. Yeah. And Ari did. I hired Ari to do all the photo and video. And he crushed it Mm -hmm. and it worked out for all the band, other bands too, because the opening bands got photos out of it as well. Very thankful. You know, got some really great photo photo work, which we, I think we put a few of those on our Instagram and our website, right? Yeah. They're on our Facebook page. Yeah. For sure. Um, and, uh, we, we actually put a bunch of our 8x10 photos that you have done. Um, but you, uh, you we put a bunch of your photos up on, um, our website and they're all amazing. You and Ari do great work. But so you were doing 50, that many shows with the the eight by ten for fuck seven eight, eight years. Yeah. And then what what made you move on? Um, I mean, just other uh, other ba- other venues, you know, right. bigger venues to get bigger bands. Rams Ramshead is huge. Ramshead is huge. Yeah. Um, I started working with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra at the the Meyerhoff really? there, in which and they started a concert series that was like they would bring in indie rock bands where the orchestra would open. Then the indie rock band would play, and then they would collaborate. Mm-hmm. So they call it Pulse. They still do it, um, and they hired me for that series. So that got me in with the guy, the t- basically the talent buyer there, or like Toby Blumenthal, who is now one of my great friends, who left the Meyerhoff and went to the Man Center. And oh. when he said I went to the Man Center, I looked at the schedule, and Fish was playing there, and I was like, hey. I want to shoot fish, make it happen. He was like, fine. And he was like, well, no, he was like, I don't know. That's a big request. Really? Here's an email address to the the head honcho of the man center, like public relations, like the big chick Just say that, you know, you know me and send her a link to your website or whatever. And what you want to do. And I said, Hey Kelly, my name is Jordan August from Baltimore, Maryland. I know I'm good friends with Toby Blumenthal. I, I want to shoot fish. Mm-hmm. That's all I said. You didn't put a website or like, and I, just like here's my website. Okay, okay. You know, but mm-hmm. not like I love what you're doing at the man. Like no, like I didn't sugarcoat anything. Like hey, I know Toby. I want to shoot fish, and she said the same thing. That's a big request. Why don't you come up this weekend and shoot the Avid Brothers for us? And I was like, hell yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> Sorry, is this a test? I'm loving right, this you know? test. Yeah. And so I, I came up and I photographed the Avid brothers and they like 
had no rules like and I, since I was staff photography I was able to like shoot this whole show it was up front it was everywhere I wanted to be and uh turned in the photos the next day and three days later they were like do you just want to shoot the rest of the concert season <gasps> and I said absolutely <laughs> he, like give me your dates I you know obviously I've already booked a lot of stuff for the rest of the year right. but like I will shoot anything I can I think I'm that that first year I missed like maybe nine shows of the whole season and then when I signed the contract for the next year, I missed like one show and it was uh, Memorial Day weekend because I always went to Del Fest. Mm-hmm. And then the third year, I said, I'm not going to Del Fest. I want to shoot this entire season. And and it? I did. I shot the entire season. Dude, that's awesome. And so same thing. But, you know, like dude. this year, I, I shot Memorial Day weekend. I did miss opening night. I was in Utah, like traveling through national parks for, mm-hmm. you know, I took vacation early so that I could you know do a season but we had an early show so but i got i got lucky like i knew someone that worked somewhere that i wanted to shoot i never thought i'd be actually shooting for the venue fully i think that's a great story because you never know who you're gonna meet you never know who you need to befriend don't ever attach any uh, labels to it just be friendly to people shit will work out yeah and it it did and Mm -hmm. like i didn't try to be someone i wasn't right you know the the man center is a, a you know a nonprofit music venue that is the summer home of the Philadelphia Orchestra I and it. i have giant holes in my ears and tattoos <laughs> and like a nose ring you know like I, I like i'm not trying to cater to them and they don't care and they love your work they don't they care they love about, the work yeah. and like they love my personality and they love how i guess like i jive with you know, the ushers or the people that work in marketing and all these other people that we've become like this weird little family mm-hmm. over the last, you know, four years. So you know, it's been great. Is that I think I bet being a musician played into that because you understood that everyone has a gig. Absolutely. Has a job. There are some fun things. There are also some shitty things. Like I'm sure ushers, they hate dealing with people sometimes. And right. you totally understand as a photographer and as a musician yep. what each uh, job entails yeah. but that really helped you out and a lot of like the security guards at the man center are security guards at the electric factory which is franklin music hall yeah, now that, um uh, franklin, franklin or frankford music hall? frankford frankford, frankford? Music hall. i think i'm pretty sure it's frankford music hall right i'm not sure but i'll look okay, it up i'm pretty sure it is mark on the computer i'm looking it up um but I'm, I'm really sure it's frankford <laughs> I, think it's frankford. I think it's frankford yeah because then they have the the frankford um uh, German place with the brat. Frankfurt Hall. Frank, I guess in Fishtown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that's right by my house. You live right over there. I live a half a block from there. Dude, we're coming, bro. Yeah, anytime you want. <laughs> I'm telling you. Seriously. Oh, well, just brought. Yeah, but yeah. I have know. a I have a third floor. It's like the it's the guest room, but it's the whole third floor. I guess we should mention this. Jordan Ongas just moved to Philly. I moved to Philly. I did it. Woo! I did it. It's over. Sorry, Baltimore. I've been like mm. every year. I'm like something will happen dramatic in my life. And mm-hmm. like uh, moving to Philly. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna make that a gift just for for the uh, for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shaking the hair. I don't. Have. <laughs> I'm serious and like. But, but wait, so what street do you live on then? If you, if I live don't on me numbers. I live on Crease Street, Crease uh, and Gerard. I've been there. No, I've been to Crease. So like basically, if you walk to you know like the north end of my block. And you look left, you can see the Fishtown Tavern. Like mm. I'm, I'm right in the hood, mm-hmm. right? I'm like in the cut. You it's li- great. I got really lucky. Like my friends own the house. Um, my my friend owns the house. He's in Man About a Horse. He's the upright bass player. Mm. 
his girlfriend took a job in Colorado. He went out there with her, and he's a, a freelance writer and musician and um, writer as in like songwriter, or, um, like or copywriter. Just, okay, and and was and was an educator at one part of his life too. And I was like, damn, I don't got this crash pad anymore. What am I gonna do? I just signed a two-year contract with the man. What am I gonna do? I can't like commute back and forth every show no, it's gonna that, cost me a ton of money that regional rail bill will be huge yeah you know it's 48 bucks 56 bucks one way so if you don't book it in advance yeah i've gotten really good at the booking in advance though i bet you did i bet you and did. last minute i'm saying like sometimes i'll book an 86 dollar train and then i'm like what's going you know 45 minutes before my train and the next train is 48 bucks and you can just switch it right on the app Really, they don't they don't charge you for switching? no not if you do everything in your account on the app See, this Amtrak is why I app do the podcast I need to learn this Amtrak shit. app is the bomb it keeps track of your points drink vouchers that I give out to that? that I give out to people on the train I'm really learning friends things. This, this is drink vouchers on Amtrak? drink vouchers you get um you get vo- free vouchers to get into like the Acela Express Lounge uh-huh. where there's free snacks and drinks up there. Okay. Yeah, you can fill your bag with stuff. I mean, mind you, you live here now, so I guess that's over. That's still you don't live here. Sorry, no, you live over I, there. I live across <laughs> on that side of the river. Um, uh, the but but that's still how I get to Baltimore. I'm, I'm yeah. playing a gig in Baltimore this Sunday morning. I'm getting on a 12:45 in the in like a.m. train with my pedalboard amp and guitar. To get back to Baltimore and get there by one forty, what two a.m. Sleep on a friend's couch, play this eight thirty a.m. Like five, it's like a five k running event. Ah, uh, you're part like people running by. Yeah, and like it, I'm playing at the finish line basically. That's a great spot. Why not? People are hanging out, so yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, I, I was gonna ask you this. Uh, so you moved here. What's what's kind of your plan? You 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 released two singles. Yeah. I'm sure that there's an album in the works that there we haven't talked. There's an ta- album in the works, yeah. What's the, what's the deal? Is it kind of like you're going to still make Baltimore your your home base in terms of music? So yeah, my I mean the band, you know, the rest of the members are from, you know, live in Baltimore. Right. There're two people from Electric Love Machine, one guy from Squaring the Circle. We love Nate. Na- yeah. Nate's the drummer in Squaring the Circle Nate and is my, is my drummer from Squaring the Circle. Um I don't think it changes anything. I think it gives more of an opportunity for us to play outside of Baltimore. Because we know this band Handbone Relay <laughs> that we brought to our residency. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole point he came to Jersey so, was, but you know, like, but but and that's just like the true honesty is, you know, like I've sat in with you guys at right. your live shows. You sat in with us at the residency. I'm on your album. Like I can sit in with you guys anytime you want. You know, if you wanted me, I'm not pushing myself. That was hilarious. It the whole sounds. It sounds. I can sit in with you whenever I want. Whenever you want me. Whenever to. you want me to. <laughs> but no, you we, are, man. At time, dude. Yeah. yeah. At time. time, I'll come. We're yeah, gonna 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 um, we play time a lot, and you're definitely gonna be there. Yeah, it's that. on my calendar. Um, I looked at your schedule because I was like, dude, I'm here now. I need to stop pretending like I'm gonna go see someone play, yeah. and now I'm here. Uh, what's the date of that? Do you remember? June fifteenth, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. June fifteenth, come hang it's out with Saturday us. Jordan night. will be there. Uh, oh, we'll yeah. be at time. But um, so your your main plan is Baltimore's home base for music. You're gonna try to like work out of there. Yeah, and the my producers there. That's right. where I record. I already have like 
I've paid for studio time already to like try to you know add more songs to this next album. Where, where are you in terms of the album? Are you are you still writing or are you kind of just getting the band like arrangements together? Arrangements. It's written. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wrote like two things at once. Um, basically, like fun, like up more upbeat songs and slow songs, and decided like you know every album needs some slow songs. Right. But I wrote some slow songs that I think are really great. Um, and at the end of the day, I really don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, you know, if I think they're great. Uh, and, and who cares? Lyrical content is, like, very similar. I, like, I went through a breakup that was very intense. Um, that a lot of it was my fault. Um, I'm sorry. It's okay, you know. I got sober. Um, so a lot of it is about you know, me drinking or just drinking, not even necessarily about me. I think there's, there's always a piece of me in the songs. Um, but sometimes it's like, I don't like if, if I was going to sit here and like play you a song and you just watch me play it, you'd be like, dude, what is going on? <laughs> Can we talk? Are, about you this okay? yeah, are you okay? You know? Yeah. So I, I, I do, you know, definitely like expand outside of the box to, get myself a little bit disconnected from it. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like it's all, it all about, comes back to the original story. It's, yeah. And it's all about me and like uh, a lot of heartbreak and a lot of like being drunk and doing dumb shit. But are you, are you looking back these days? I know we'll, we'll talk about the sober stuff, but are you looking back these days and realizing kind of like what you were doing was wrong or is it just you're, you're reliving some of the stories that you went through uh, I, when you weren't I mean, sober? I, I'm looking back at it in both ways. Okay. Um, in in a lot of ways, a lot of the stuff I didn't that I did wasn't necessarily wrong. It just wasn't the right thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like everyone has their right to party and and make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you don't learn from it. Mm. You know what is it? You know, like every you know left three left turns make a right. So like three three wrong steps right. will eventually make a right. Yeah. Um, I went through a lot more wrong steps before I made that right. But um, a lot of people respected me for getting sober. A lot of I know people, I you know, like have seen an improvement in, you know, my happiness or my musicianship, my songwriting. I definitely like was able to sit down with a pen and paper and like make it through an entire page before like, you know, without the pen falling off the page, you mm. know, the paper. Um, was that a problem when you were uh, yeah, not I sober? Yeah, like, it was just like drink you, and like, you're just like really sloppy and just so creative and like, and write all this stuff down. And the next day I'd open up my pad and be, be like, like, I couldn't what? even understand any of <laughs> what it. What is this? This There's is some words <laughs> missing, you know, like I didn't remember any of it. And I was spending a ton of money on, on drugs and alcohol that, I wasn't benefiting me any like Mm -hmm. when I was living in Baltimore I lived kind of the same way I lived literally the same type of neighborhood I live in in Philadelphia (laughs) is is the neighborhood I lived in in Baltimore and it's called Hamden and I was a block off the avenue which would be like being a block off of Frankfurt or being a block off of Girard and there was a watering hole that was if you if you ask for a shot of Jameson whoop whoop let's get you that sponsorship um (laughs) They won't call us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> call them. You know, like Enough you, you get a shot. You know, a shot glass is like that big, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, six bucks, right? At this watering hole, you would get a rocks glass. 
Oh, filled. Don't say full. To the fucking top yeah. for uh. six bucks. So if you didn't, so hold on, where is that? We need to. It's called Frasers. <laughs> <laughs> you've been there. No, you've definitely no, been cool. there. We're gonna go again. Yeah, thirty six and Elm, right there. In I Hamden. actually went with Kenny one time. Yo, actually. absolutely. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. yeah. They again, used to have music there. Once again, we need to get Kenny on the podcast. Um, but um, but you see, you'd have to go there and you have to ask for a baby Jameson, which was like a fucking bitch move to be like, oh, let me get a baby Jameson. But it was just a normal shot glass, mm-hmm. and it was like two fifty. So you. That's like, it. Yeah. You can get a Coors Light. You get like some some shit domestic beer and a shot of Jameson and like six shots and six beers later, you've spent like 30 bucks, 30 bucks. <laughs> and I'm walking home. Kind of, <laughs> you know, more of a stagger. But yeah, I mean, like point. It, it just was I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I did a lot of cool, crazy things that I never thought I would have done, but it didn't really make for anything great in the future of my thing. It was an immediate gratification or immediate st- instant story. gratification. Yeah. I'm a digital photographer. I'm all about instant you're all about gratification. Instant. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let me spend. You know, I don't know. I I guess the, the first album that I released Sunday morning. I don't know. I, I wrote for like two years mm-hmm. and then was like, okay, I'm going to record it. And I don't want, I'm going to play all the instruments. So you did? I played, yeah. Well, that I didn't know. So, uh, yeah, I played guitar, dobro, and mandolin. And then I had John Brady play keys. And I had Patrick McAvenue play fiddle, who, right, literally like two weeks after the album came out, he won Fiddle Player of the Year. Wow. So it instantly became like, oh, I have this new album. Like, oh, Jordan August's debut album, Sunday Morning, featuring, featuring <laughs> Patrick McAvenue, IBMA, fiddle player. Did that bother year. him? Did it, did no, he loved it. Oh, okay. It, I mean, the first year I saw the bridge play, you guys brought out Patrick, and he had like... Yeah. Just gotten off of like a plane from Australia or something. Dude, he is so sick. He's on dirt. He's on Dirtball Blues. On, on the yeah, on he's the on Dirtball Blues. He's so good. He's man. on the Sweet Kentucky album. So yeah. Like, and he's maybe two years, three years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's in Nashville now, right? He lives in Nashville. He just got married this weekend. Ooh, this past awesome. weekend, yeah, awesome. he just got married to Jules. I'm That's awesome. So happy for him. What a what a. Did you what get to a go? sweet, sweet boy! I did not get to go. Oh, damn! No, that would um, have been, cool. been cool. Shit happens. But so you were telling me before we started airing this podcast, <laughs> I was so I just went on this trip through Utah and Arizona. It was my trip, my eight day vacation before I was moving to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Like no music, like photography, like just get out there, get out there into the world. I fly to Denver, Colorado to meet up with my friend to drive from Boulder to Moab, you know? Mm. So the, I fly there the next morning. I wake up in, you know, the next morning in Boulder and we're in the car and I get this text from my ex who we had been like very friendly with one another, like trying to be friends. And and we were friends, uh, gotten a big argument kind of like the week before the trip. And I get this text from her and she says, oh, I just saw a sex tape of you. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm. And she sends me the link. And it's not just a sex tape. It's a sex tape on Pornhub. (gasps) 
It's not. No. It, it's not just like a file that's sprinkling around the wonderful city of six hundred thousand in Baltimore. No, 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 no. This is it is on Pornhub. Are you listed? And my name is not on it now. Thank God. Uh, yeah. So I was like, "What are you talking about?" She sends me a link. I click the link. It opens up, and it is me, and it is definitely my bedroom, and me and this girl. That like in this, it was from like two, two to two and a half months before it was sent to me, uh-huh. and it had been online for one month, and I didn't know about it. I did not consent to this video. I didn't know that she taped me uh-huh. doing what we were doing, um, and I definitely didn't know she put it on the internet. And I was like, oh my god, and I, like I, I was speechless. You know, like I didn't know what to say. Um, I instantly texted that girl and was like, what the fuck? Like, you need to take this down. Like, this is not cool. I could lose my job. Like, I work with kids at the Man Center and the education program. I was like, this is fucked. And she was like, oh, my God. I'm sorry. I was going through a phase. Who says that? That's fucking crazy. Now, look, I've been through some phases. but i i I didn't even know what to say to her you know i was like i need email confirmation like screenshot that you have done something to do something about this Mm -hmm. so she said you know like two hours later i get a screenshot of her email with pornhub that it says it takes 24 to 48 hours for this to come down i've also emailed pornhub with that screenshot attached. And they say, Jordan, I'm so sorry this happened to you, but we get thousands of these messages a day that we have to take down. Like this happens to plenty of people wow. all the time. Yeah. So I'm also, this is all happening while I'm traveling through like the most beautiful place I've ever been. I'm hiking Arches National Park. I go to this event called Form in Arizona. I go to the Grand Canyon. I go to Canyonlands. I'm doing all this great shit and all while mentally, internally, like dealing with this. I'm not telling my friend. It's not her problem. No, no, no problem. No one's problem but mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want like, I don't want my stress to be my stress. And I definitely don't want it to be hers. Thank God we discovered CBD water. That's a thing. It's a thing. From a company called Weller. Okay. Let's get that sponsorship. I'm looking for uh, it too. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> they they sponsored this event I was at in Arcasanti, Arizona, mm-hmm. and we were part of like a VIP package. We got free CBD water. I was drinking like seven a day. Twenty. It's wow. twenty five milligrams per can. So I was definitely overdoing the CBD for a daily limit, but like I had no stress. Like, if I could get it out of my head, like, everything was fine. Like, I would just drink this water and I would enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to see all this music. Anderson Pack and Florence and the Machine and all this stuff. Oh, Anderson was awesome. Dude, it's... So jealous. Anderson Pack with, like, 1,500 people. Oof. Like, that's it. Like, he's playing Madison Square Garden next week. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I go through my whole trip and on the last day, like, the drive from moab back to colorado i get a text from the girl and she's like the video's down it took six days in that time in those six days the ex-girlfriend that found out about it posted it all over social media which 
I'm not really sure why. It has nothing to do with her, but she just wanted to rub it in your face. Rub like, it in my face, you know, fuck, like <laughs> slander my name or whatever. Um, I my sponsor texted me about it, and he was like, "Do you know?" I was like, "I do know." There's nothing I can do about it. It's not bringing me down. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Dude, you're a concert photographer, and now you're a porn star. You've made it." <laughs> Kenny Liner texts me, and he's like, "Dude." Totally just watched this video of you fucking this girl on Pornhub. That shit was hot. You look great. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's so Kenny, dude. That's That's so so Kenny. And he he was like, we're sex positive here. And I was like, (laughs) and I just, I look like I read that text message and I read my sponsor's text message and I was like, dude, none of this matters. And like, it's like went from like about to explode with emotion and stress to like, not caring at all. I was like, eh, this is fine. This is fine. This is great. Yeah. You know? And I was like, you know what? I do look fucking good. <laughs> fuck Screenshot. it. You know, fuck it. And I was like, I, re- the video I was like, I remember that night. And I was like, what? How did I not notice her like phone on my bedside table? You know, like, mm. well, you were in the moment. I was in the moment, things. you know, I was just enjoying yeah, myself. You're a very romantic guy. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you know, um, that's that's like the most dirt, really. I mean, I, I guess that I have on me is like I, I recently went through a sex tape scandal and felt a little taken advantage of in its own way. But um, well, now it's time to put the new album out. So yeah, <laughs> now now it's time to like get this um, uh, you know this emotional album out about <laughs> all the emotional things before the sex tape, really. Well, then what's the next album? Is it all about the sex tape then? Or are we gonna so I kind of, when I did the, um, when I put out Sunday Morning, that was kind of a conceptual album as far as like lyrical content. And it was more like about being in love and like wanting, you know, this sort of like stepping forward of mm. what a, you know, a relationship is. Um, and the, and it was called Sunday Morning. So in my head, I was like, I'm going to write this next album and I'm going to call it Friday Evening. Okay. It's like, you know, from what happens before the Friday? All this shit can happen in the week by a Friday evening. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Friday evening, that's party time. Right. Um, I've kind of gone, I'm kind of, I haven't thrown away the concept, but I've thrown away the title of it. The new album is going to be called Heart Before the Storm. Mm. So it's sort of like, you know, my emotional aspect of, you know, writing. And then this big thunderstorm of shit <laughs> that I always created. Right. Um, and that, you know, and then that others created and fueled me to create other things. And that, you know, the person I love would create as well and fuel me to do even bigger and crazier things. Mm-hmm. Um, all while not being sober. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's got some crazy content. Um do you know, uh, I know you're recording it now, but do you uh, have like a goal for when that album will be coming Not out? Not really. I think like the crazy part is like, I, the f- we're a four piece band, you know, the drums, bass, guitar and keys. And, um, and we make a lot of noise for four people. Mm. Um, but now that I'm like, that we're starting to perform some of the new songs, like I hear Patrick on the fiddle and stuff like that. And 
you know, I've met a cello player and I'm like, oh, now I want a string section. Like I'm fucking Ray Charles <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? So like I, I'm not I'm not putting a deadline on it. I I want to have the band, you know, the four piece ready to perform them. Um, we just started doing one of the new songs called Bootleg Booze. Mm. Uh, it's about, you know, a kid that grew up with a moonshining father. That you know would you know in prohibition kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It really has nothing to do with me at all. But you're <coughs> writing from like a historical context now. You're kind of envisioning yourself as like <coughs> a like a story writer. I'm trying to yeah, writer. and like I've I've noticed that like I'll write a song that's all about me and all about like something that has happened to me or that I've done, and then I'm like, hey, let me play this song for you, and then I'm like, I get like really nervous about it, like oh my god. I just like now you know that I'm a total wreck or that I love this person or that I don't love this person. And mm-hmm. like it was starting to like affect the the choices, the song choices I made in certain live atmospheres. And I don't and I don't like that. You mm-hmm. know, if I write a great song and it's a great song, it should be played. Um, so I'm, you know, with the Bonnie and Clyde thing was sort of like the initial spark um, and it, you know, I went through writing 50 songs until I got to like, all right, I had this idea about bootleg booze. And it was because like, I told a story about going to Franklin mortgage and investment company, Love that bar. um, which in like the story of like where they got the name and it being a speakeasy in South Philly mm. during prohibition, like I like this conversation just sparked all this motivation to write a song about moonshine and my uncle makes moonshine and does he really he does yeah oh that must be uh interesting is the right word i got it that's what you would get for christmas every year <laughs> it's just like a like a pint a mason jar pint jar it's been in his bathtub for months <laughs> yeah just right like, yeah, yep, yeah my yeah. uncle's ass has definitely been on this uh this alcohol right yeah, here. yeah uh-huh. enjoy this shit so yeah. i don't i don't have any real process or end game for the music it's we're definitely a live band like we are much more and you know not enjoyed live but like an experience live a song that's four minutes on the album sometimes is 18 minutes live right you guys have been uh, expanding on the jam stuff big time yeah sections and things listening to each other yeah your your fish roots are finally coming out. they really are yeah well we we did a show with you uh i think it was baltimore bands themed from what I remember, uh, I don't remember which night. Actually, shit. What night? What, were we, what were night we was what that? You were like the second night. We it was us and do you remember Mark? I, I it was just a lot of us. You did a lot of fish. Maybe you? it was jam. It was, it was jam night. night. It was the first night. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, you sat in on Sissy Strut. That's right. Yeah. And it got weird in the it middle got of it. Really weird. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And we I put that's actually that jams up on my YouTube page too. Oh, okay. And you with, actually have a bunch of live live uh, concerts up on your uh, Bandcamp page too. If people want to check that. The out. entire residency is up there. Mm-hmm. The multi track recording. It's free downloads. Um, I made all the artwork for it. Every, every Jordan August band show is, you know, for the last couple of years is up there for, for a free download. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Awesome. Go, check Go check that out. She picked me up hitchhiking Dust on my boots and dirt in my hair She's so blind
Hey, real quick, this podcast is sponsored by Bald Birds Brewing Company. They're out in Audubon, PA. They're opening up a new spot up in Maniunk, PA. Make sure to go follow them. This is their bartender, Ted Pale Ale. This is what Mark and I are drinking this afternoon or evening. What time is it? It's evening. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> a late evening. Well, hold on. So for musicians, wouldn't you consider this afternoon? Think about it. Yeah. 4 a.m., 5 a.m., you go to bed. This is the, like, when I was back in Baltimore, I was working, like, a 9 to 5 thing, you know, like, in, you know, when I, if I wasn't shooting shows. Yeah. And, uh. It's the first time I haven't had to work a nine to five in like two years. It's been really good. Do you find yourself more relaxed in your normal? I de- I'm in no rush to like wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's for sure. Um, that do- I'm not like encouraging myself to sleep in, mm. but I'm not like rushing to get to bed at night, which is kind of nice. I'm sure. And like with just moving in, like I'm decorating, I'm like moving this here and like hanging frames and like you know yes martha f- stewart yes. yeah yeah this yeah. couch is feng shui works yeah. better over here i did i had to move the, i moved the <laughs> living room twice i'm no. hanging this you know swanky bulb lights in my backyard uh, and like but my, my girlfriend is actually doing that to our place right now we lived there for like two years and we're finally <laughs> putting up pictures yep <laughs> just yes yeah, so yeah. i'm trying to avoid that because like i had all these plans from my last house and I, I would have been there for four years in this house and I had frames sitting in the hallway from like the second week I moved in that mm. never got put up. And when I was packing the house, I was like, well, this is stupid. And like put them back in the same box they came out of. <laughs> so he's been sitting in the same so, spot. Like, when I, yeah. When I moved into this house, like I'd come up and I measured and I like took pictures and like, you know, it was like, I had, my friends owned the house, so I'd been staying there for years. So I, I knew the house. I knew how they had it set up. I knew an idea of what was possible. But, like, I was also, like, measuring stuff and trying to make sure I could get it right. Mm. So that I – like, and I live by myself. And, like, I don't know that many people. So it's like, well, I don't – if I put, you know, this couch here, the couch is kind of staying there. Unless I want to, like, fuck up the floor. But – I put the couch somewhere and I was like, I don't like it there. And I was like, how can I move it? And I was like, I have two skateboards. And I like, brought, <laughs> I brought them up with skateboards and I'm like shimmying it on the skateboards. So like, so I don't scratch the wood floor. And now like everything's great. And you take any video of you stumbling with your skateboards? I did and I didn't know. I took cool. some pictures of like the unboxing process and like I collect vinyl records. Mm-hmm. Like I have an extensive record collection, like 2,700 records. Did you say 2,700? Yeah, like 2,700 vinyls. I have like 300, and I thought I had like, <laughs> yeah, I remember talking to you about that at like New Year's Eve, Eve or whatever. I got a couple places to recommend for you to look for some great vinyl. There's a vinyl brewing company that's uh, I passed the other day. Where the hell was Wait, wait, wait. Vinyl and beer? Yeah, they vinyl sell vinyl and, and beer. What is this? Great. Yeah, the real good uh, place for an brewing addict company. to go to. Yeah, you, you shouldn't go there, but they have good vinyl, though. Anyway, so... Uh, this is the next part of the show uh, that we like to talk to our guests about. Ooh, it's uh, this is surprising. This, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, it's a little different. It's called Last Five. Last Five. Yeah, it's also called Whip It Out. It has two different names. So I like Whip It Out. Do you out listen better. to? I know Mark likes Whip I It like Out. I like Whip It Out too. Do with my a, current career choice. <laughs> do, you li- do you listen to Spotify or Apple Music? I do. Or yeah, Spotify. Here, can you pull up your Spotify real quick? Yeah. And I, we want to know the last five things you've been listening to. We tell our listeners kind of what you've been checking out. Okay. Hey, Mark, uh, what do you what do you been listening to? Well, Rob, I'm ready. Uh, hold on. I gotta pull it up. I can tell you right now, there's definitely okay. Space Captain, yeah. Herbie Hancock, Susan Tedeschi, Derek. Oh, Trucks. I love that uh, cover. 
It's um, awesome. The Joe Cocker cover. Solid. Pretty yeah. awesome. Uh, Galactic uh, mm-hmm. Dance at My Funeral featuring Boyfriend, the New Orleans bounce rapper. Because mm-hmm. I'm into the bounce shit. Uh, uh, Chris Jacobs, Bone Digger. Mm. Um, I love that whole album. thought that was a Green Sky song. Oh, this is okay. ACDC, Highway to Hell. Nice. And I got one more. I got one more. more. I got uh, (laughs) a... Fucking in a UFO by Rob Zombie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Whatever, man. (laughs) Solid repertoire. I'm I'm very eclectic, guys. You are an eclectic guy. Go ahead. I photographed him once, and he had the hardest light rig ever to shoot because everything was red. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, the entire ed- all the edits were black and white on my end. <laughs> um, Couldn't go away with shit. <laughs> so last five. What do you got? Uh, Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real. Which, which record? The new stuff or the no? Old? His the debut record. Oh, that's awesome. Such a good record. The, the thing with Lady Gaga was his on there. Was that? that was um, Find Yourself. Mm, Find right. Yourself. Yeah, um, the whole record's awesome. Uh, Ray Charles, who is my favorite musician of all time. Really? Which is so wonderful that you picked me to sing that on your album. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. My, my, so my Ray Charles vinyl collection is, is getting, I'm sure it's getting deep. real good. Do you have the... Um, oh, who's the vibraphone player he did a record with? It wasn't... Um, I'm not going to remember it now. Milt Mark, Jackson? can we get a Google? Was it Milt Jackson? It might have been Milt Jackson. Do you remember the... I can, I can yeah, we hey computer we the man. Internet. But like Ray <laughs> Charles, man, I, I love the move. I mean, I love the movie that Jamie Foxx did. I, I thought that was super great. I think that's the best musician biopic. Yeah, like docu film ever. Like, like it was, it was straight to the story and yeah. it was genuine to the character. Yep. And it, it didn't like glorify. Dude, him. I was right, Milt Jackson. You were it right. Was Milt Jackson. Okay, yeah. rubbing in. Go ahead, that's take right, your dick out. Right. Just go ahead and rub yourself right. a little bit. I paid attention and in, in, in <laughs> whip it out. Whip it out. <laughs> All right, what else you got? That's um, two. <laughs> um, Anything in particular, Ray Charles, that you were listening to? Um, no, I I just like I have Alexa in my in the whole house. Oh, so you're just playing some like Alexa play Ray Charles, and it, it goes. it's like I have like three different units, so it plays it through the whole house, and no matter where I go, it's awesome. just like bumping. Um, Hallelujah, I love her so is my favorite. Oh, it's, that's so good. You know? That sax solo in the middle with the breaks. It's so great. It's so good, man. <laughs> I like I love so, like. When it if if like I do it like if, if I'm at a bar with like friends for dinner and they have like the touch tunes thing and I like put that on and I'm always doing like all the hits with the breaks, yeah. <laughs> people are like, okay, okay, you're taking this a little too seriously. Um, I put on Sex Machine once on a, on a bar <laughs> and people got really mad at me because I didn't realize it was 17 minutes long. So <laughs> just went for so sometimes like I go to Bottle Bar a lot, on, yeah, and so. <clears throat> but I also go to Fishtown Tavern. Like they both have good food, and like when I was drinking, I would go to both places. You can tap into the touch tunes at Fishtown Tavern from Bottle Bar. So sometimes, like the drop, like the Fish Tahoe tweezer that's like twenty-seven minutes long at the bar across the street. <laughs> just the fuck for all the hipsters like- that are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, and I this okay. So you know, Lucas Nelson, Ray Charles. The next one, is, no bullshit, is a handbone relay. Oh. <laughs> like it's right here. It's it's proof. Whoa. You got proof, bro. 
Um, Which track did you listen to? <laughs> I, I listened to the whole album. The whole album's really good. But I think here, here come the fuzz is is definitely solid. Next artist up is the Bar Brothers. Yeah, they opened up uh, our buddy Luke, who also plays in the Hambone, the guitar player. He told us about the Bar Brothers. They opened up from. They played. Oh, uh, the they opened up Underground from Arts, Michigan. Uh, Michigan's like a dream to me now. I uh, can't remember what the name of the band is. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, anyway, they they were in Philly. Theory. <laughs> Sorry. Theory. Yeah, they played Underground Arts or something up here. I think that's awesome. Um, I saw. I had Milk the, Carton Kids. Milk. Oh no, they played Union Transfer, and they that's opened what it that, was. They opened up that's from there. Yep, I wanted to go to that show. Uh, yeah, he was telling us about that. He said they were awesome. I saw them at uh, at Sixth and I in D.C., which is like an old synagogue. Never been there. It's like a 500 person venue. It's an active synagogue too. Oh. Um, and so, it's like okay. seeing the Bar Brothers like with this like this huge like they're on like the stage where like everything happens you know and like wow. you're in these like pews and the acoustics were amazing it was like an outer body experience seeing this band wow that's so cool and like i'd always dreamed of seeing them but i never thought i'd see them like that in a synagogue in a synagogue <laughs> yeah in like the heart of dc like pretty much chinatown like it was crazy that's so cool All right, that's um, four Give us uh pick. number five is is the new chris jacobs album Fanboy. I oh, yeah, mean, dude. it's under the big top is like fucking crushing. It's a great record. It's really good. You like the Neville Jacobs record as well? I do. Yeah. And actually like Neville Jacobs is way better live than that album. We, we were wondering, I, I would love to see that album live. Uh, yeah. It felt like it didn't feel like it was reserved, but like I felt like it could yeah. have gone another. I, I saw them Click. at Ardmore shortly after they re- released that record. I saw them the night before in Baltimore, and that was such a great show. It was probably better the second night. Yeah, just like they're playing Brooklyn Bo- Brooklyn Bowl on I Saturday. Saw that. Actually, I saw this that. Saturday, right? This this coming Saturday, June first. Yeah, I'll be photographing the Roots picnic at the Man Center. I mean, that sounds, that sounds like a terrible. It'll be day. the biggest show <laughs> in Man Center history. Wow. Wait, how do you know that already? Because we've sold twenty four thousand tickets. The venue only holds 14,000 people. So, so like lawns just going to be out. What they're doing, what they like what they've done is like so it's been at Governor's Island the last couple of years mm-hmm. and so like it's like a festival experience. Right. So they're bringing it to Philadelphia to the man. They're building a stage in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So there will be three stages oh, wow. going on like the Roots will headline, Her will be out there, other bands will be on the main pavilion stage, they'll be at the top stage as well. Right. Um, they're doing podcasts in a tent over here with like um, most deaf and black thought. It's like Whoa. it's about to be like the biggest to do. It's like 12, you know, or 11, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. That's that's going to be you're going to have a fucking huge bill that day. You're going to be crazy. running around like a crazy person. Crazy person. Or are you holding are you just holding down the main stage or I'm what's, holding down the whole event. Yeah. Just you photo- photographing the whole entire event. You'll see me wearing all yeah. black running. You, you better earn your stars and stripes that day. You better be getting that paycheck <laughs> at the end of that day. Those thunder, thighs. Thunder thighs for riding that bike all day, baby. I've got those. <laughs> That's crazy, man. But I mean, like, I guess I listen to Chris Jacobs all the time. Snarky Puppy is like is the next one. You know, that's that's my like. Oh, they're crushing it too. Ray Charles, Snarky Puppy, Paul Simon, are like my top three all time listens. You've done a few. Uh, when I was digging through your stuff, you, you've done a few Graceland shows, haven't you? Yeah. 
what was the insp- was that your favorite record by him or was it just like something <clears> cool to definitely do? Definitely a like- favorite record. I'm definitely definitely the, I think the best record by Paul Simon mm. musically. You know the combination of upbeat and slower songs mm-hmm. um, on that album, but also like that African percussion, that whole groove, and the way the horns come into play on that record is different than like any other record he'd ever done. Steve Berlin wrote all those horn parts mm-hmm. from Los Lobos. Mm-hmm. He got no credit on that album until recently. Well, yep. Mark's got a story you know, about that. You when, know about that. Yeah. Well, you know when we when we tracked the uh, National Bohemian. Steve Berlin had nothing nice to say about that that no. session. He's very bitter about it. Yeah. Well, I'm still thankful for him doing it because oh, it's great. But yeah. Yeah. Give <laughs> Gotta give. Um, <laughs> it was we the first time we ever did it was years ago, and it was like a charity. It was a fundraiser for Believe in Music, which mm. was Kenny Liner's nonprofit, thing. and it was yeah. like probably the first year of Believe in Music. You know, they were looking for all the money and all the funding they could get, mm-hmm. and uh, me and John Wood who's a guitar player for Electric Love Machine and Psycho Killers in Baltimore, um, sort of built this super group of people. And we did two sets of music. The first set was Paul Simon and Simon and Garfunkel stuff. And then the second set was Graceland from in its entirety from beginning to end. That's so cool. And um, when we got to Homeless, we were like, oh, God, how do you do this without, you know, everyone knowing these like crazy harmonies? And we like... We bullshitted our way through it, but with like a couple of rehearsals with it too. So it was like it felt very honest and authentic. But yeah, we're not gonna be able to do the record version. We're of not, this, but the we'll, record we'll do version. our own little thing. Everything else, like we had, you know, we had Dave Markowitz from the bridge on bass doing the backwards bass line. Everything was great. Mm-hmm. We had the horn parts for "Call Me Out" and all that stuff. But "Homeless" was like, that's a hard one. And well, what do you do? Also, "Diamond on the Soles of Her Shoes" is also probably pretty difficult with all the that, harmonies. That we like pulled off. Okay. We were able to pull that off. Patrick Rainey played sax with us. He had like he busted out his in-ear monitors from like touring days, <laughs> and so he did all the low stuff because he could hear himself so good. Oh, cool! So he did all those like really deep droney notes, and like every we had you know two chick singers, and we just had enough harmony levels of voice to be able to pull that part off. So Homeless cool. was like a, almost a train wreck, but we like. <laughs> but it came together yeah. in the end. We didn't go cool. trying to sing any like African lines or yeah, anything. You weren't trying like to do that. the clicky stuff. Or, no, or, exactly. Yeah, there's no, no way. Like no. it would, it would look bad. Strong wind. Strong. <laughs> <laughs> I love the album. I do. I do, I do too. Yeah. Um, we're on the next part of the podcast. Oh, there's another part. There's yes. one last part. It's the lightning round. If I can remember all the lightning round questions. Because I don't have a computer. You don't have your cards? I don't, like, I'm not fucking uh, Graham Norton or some yeah, shit. You don't have a fucking uh, iPad? Come on. I'm, fucking, I'm, I'm professional. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but here's the deal. So I'm going to ask you a question. Try to give me the fastest response that you can. Okay. The fastest answer. Okay. First album you ever owned? Color Me Bad, I Want to Sex You Up. Okay. First show you ever saw? Hootie and the Blowfish at Nissan Pavilion. Hell yeah. All on what record? This is what, I, I only want to be with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, favorite song to play? Oh, fuck. Let's go get stoned. So many good chords. <laughs> Least favorite song to play? Wagon Wheel. Okay. <laughs> There's actually a bar that we played out in Vermont, Manhattan Pizza and Pub, that has um, a little just a little thing that only the bands can see. It's a little, little, a little uh, wood placard. It said, no wagon wheel. Oh, no, it that's just, a thing. Just so the bands could see it. It just, yeah. no wagon wheel. You me and, that? Yeah. Me yeah. and a friend of mine recently had a conversation about that, and I photographed this country thing at 
demand center last of they week did it. and there was a fucking wagon wheel. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, oh man, I'm forget. I'm on my laptop, so I can't remember any of the fucking questions. Um, I did favorite song. I did least favorite song. Uh, first, con- first show. You, oh uh, yeah, first last concert you saw that you weren't involved in. So shooting or playing what was the last show you saw that you weren't involved. in? That I was not inv- involved in yeah. was Anderson Pack in Arcosanti, Arizona. Okay. And what's your favorite? band right now snarky puppy what's your favorite album right now my favorite album right now whatever the most recent lumineers record is cleopatra cleopatra that's a yeah. good one um where can people find you online um jordan august photography.com mm-hmm. uh and then for the music is it should it should have switched over to just be jordanaugustband.com but it's a bandcamp site so bandcamp slash jordanaugustband awesome they should both work and what's your next show july 6th jordan august band is at the 8 by 10 in baltimore maryland we're doing a uh like our biggest fan passed away a year ago we played a show for him last year we're doing it again this year. His name is Lee Gersley. Um, his daughter put together a book of poems that he wrote. We're going to have her speak about it, you know, like read some of them live. It's also the Squaring the Circle debut album release party as well. Isn't there an album also dedicated to Lee? Uh, it should as be. Well? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a big So night. it's all kind of like coming together as, as one like big thing i had initially booked this like held this date because it was the anniversary of his of him passing and i wanted squaring the circle to be on it because he would come to their shows and then squaring the circle said well we're going to release our album that same night so we sort of flopped so jordan august band will play in the middle and squaring the circle will headline and kara kelly is going to open up the show oh that'll be great that's yeah. a great bill Man, so make sure you mark that in your calendars. Um, hey, man, thank you so much for popping by. Thanks for having me. Go follow Jordan August on all his uh, social medias, Facebook, Twitter, if you have Twitter, Instagram, whatever the hell. And uh, Jordan ma- August photo on Instagram. Uh, yeah, make sure. Photos are great. Make sure to go follow him on all the socials, and uh, peace. See ya. Peace.